the uh, you know everything today with uh, Remembrance Sunday. Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, I always I always treasure the little two minute silence. Um, I think I always enjoy that, and I, I think the bravery of all the soldiers um, always calls inspires me, and also. Um, during that two-minute silence, I always pray and say, God, in the same way as those men showed great bravery for England, may I show great bravery for you. That's what I, I think I always think of when um when I, you know, when I have we have that two-minute silence. That's what that means for me. My um my grandfather was a uh, he was in the, the Royal Engineers in the army and he was on a, a D-Day plus six. So uh, he was there six days after D-Day. Um in the on the French the French shores so um yeah I think you know today means a lot a lot a lot to me and a lot to my family so thank you um so uh, we're going to be looking uh, at a, a sermon I'm really excited about today we're going to be looking at all about God's word and why it's valuable so if you could be thinking why is God's word valuable we're going to get a chance for a bit of interaction in a moment um but before we do that let's pray uh, Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for Remembrance Sunday. Thank you that it's an inspiration to us, God, that we see people who have given their lives for, for another person, Father, and it calls us to give our lives for each other and ultimately for you. May we do that today. Uh, please give me your words to speak and uh, may the focus be on you and not on any human construct. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be looking at, uh, yeah, the word of God today. And I've got a few uh, trivia, Bible trivia questions to start with. Um, so if you have an answer to these, pop your answer either in the chat box or if you're feeling very adventurous, very carefully unmute yourself, shout the answer before anyone else can shout it. And then please mute yourself again afterwards. Otherwise, we'll hear you shouting for the rest of the sermon. And that probably wouldn't be ideal. But um, OK, so a bit of trivia. Okay, we'll start off easy. What's the longest book in the Bible? That's an easy one. Start off there. Oh, Alex, he's excited. Oh, Karede. Karede's got it. He says Psalms, the speedster. Okay, fine. We'll go on to another one. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? Oh, Karede's not sure on this. I can see him. Oh, the Abbon Kimas. Stephen says Psalm 119. Who was that? Who's, who, who, who knew who knew that? Was it? Oh, it was Lydia. Lydia, there you go. There you go. Stephen trying to take credit for Lydia's Lydia's spiritualness. I'm sure he does that a lot. Okay. And okay, here's, here's another one then. How many verses does Psalm 119 have? That's a much harder question. How many verses does Psalm 119 have? Okay, we've got a couple of votes. 150, 151, both not right. Sorry. You're, you're, you're in the right ballpark, but it's not 150 or 151. Oh, gosh, we've got a lot of people going in here. We've got 180 with the Abon Kimas. That's close, but not quite not quite right. Oh, Abon Kimas said 190. No. <clears throat> oh, very good. Mervs. How spiritual Mervs is. Look at that. 176. Mervs is right. Well done, Mervs. If there was a, a reward of, you know, best Bible knowledge, you would you would win. So very good. He probably looked in his Bible, but uh, you know. So we'll give him the we'll give him the we'll give him the credit anyway. Yes, yeah, so there's 176 verses in Psalm 119, and um, it's interesting. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and it is completely dedicated to exalting and praising God's word. 
It's all about all 176 verses are all about how great God's word is. And it focuses especially on his scripture. So on the Bible and how flawless the Bible is and how flawless God's commands in the Bible are. And uh, I wanted to ask us all a question again. Put your answer in the chat box or if you feel brave, um, put your you know, put your answer out there verbally. And I wanted to ask the question, why do you think? God's word or God's opinion is important. Why do you think God's word or God's opinion is important? Roger says it is truth. Okay, it's a good start. What else have we got? Anyone else? Abonkimas, he is the ultimate judge. Yes. Okay, I like that. Very good. What else have we got? Roger says it is it is love. OK, good. I like that. It's like Stephen's writing something. Ah, oh, Raleen says he is Alpha and the Omega. So he's the beginning and the end. OK. And Merv says the very spiritual Merv's. The word is the judge in the end. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the Bible. OK, the word is the judge. Ultimately, Jesus says we'll be judged by his words. OK, we've got it unites us. Thank you. It's from the Adigans. Queenie. Uh, to know how God wants us to live. Right. So it's a, it, his commands give us ideas of how to live properly. Roddy and Zoe, it's applicable to everybody. That is an amazing thing that God's word would have, was just as applicable in the first century as it was to people in the First and Second World War as it is to us today. It's applicable to every person at every uh, every in every in every every year. Simeon says he is our creator. Right. OK. And therefore, his word, of course, is valuable. OK, thank you. Fantastic. So <clears throat> I'm just going to share my screen and we're going to have a look a little bit of some couple of my thoughts about why um, why God's word is valuable. What you've said, by the way, is all very, very true. But I'm just going to give a couple of my thoughts as well. OK, so da, da, da. I'm always struggling with trying to start slideshows. There we go. There you go. That's it. So my the title of my sermon today is the longest chapter. Now, obviously, that refers to Psalm 119. But I think at the moment it probably refers to a lot of us in life. A lot of us are probably feeling like this period of life is one of the longest chapters of life we've ever faced. Um, people have compared the um, everything with the coronavirus um pandemic to the the uh, the great wars so the first world war and second world war it's been compared because it's uh, a similar kind of sense of um tremendous strain that it's putting on us as people we've just had a new lockdown imposed this week i wonder if that's made this 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 last week ever well the last three days ever since thursday it's maybe been the longest three days since the first lockdown back in uh, kind of May, May, May time. And uh, I know, I know for a lot of us, it can feel very long. The idea of we can't see people, we can't do what we're used to doing. We can't just go and, you know, go off wherever we want. We can't just go and take a, you know, go to a, go to a pub anymore. We can't just go and uh, go on holiday wherever, wherever we, wherever we want. Maybe this is for you, a long chapter of your life. Money, money makes things hard. Maybe the recent months are the longest months of you, that you can remember. Maybe your paycheck comes at the end of the month 
and it always takes uh, a long time for your your money to come come through. And maybe I know a lot of us are facing financial challenges and we probably feel a bit like this cat that when we check our bank, our bank balance just and, uh, and our money should have just come in and it's all gone because there are so many financial challenges. Maybe you're feeling that's another reason why this is such a long chapter of your life. Maybe politics is getting you getting you down. Maybe you've watched enough of the American election to feel sick. Maybe you're happy about the result yesterday, but maybe you feel like, I don't even know if we've got a long-term result because one of the applicants is going to sue the other one for changing the results. Who knows? Maybe that's going to be the longest election result pending in history. Maybe that's another reason why you feel like it's such a, a long, one of the long chapters of your life. And again, fake news. It's hard to know at the moment what's true and what is not true. And when you don't know what's true, it's hard to have something to ground your feet in life on. And again, that can, you know, when, when it's hard to, to, to know where you stand and it's hard to know um, what, what it's hard to be confident of how things really are. Life can seem to can, can seem to take a long, can seem to be very long and it can seem to uh, drag. And uh, maybe the, maybe all these things are reasons why this is a long chapter of our lives. Maybe there are other reasons as well. And uh, I wanted to share two principles for me, why I believe that God's word gives us hope at the moment uh, and to, why God's word matters for two reasons. And the first one of those reasons is hope. Now, I've got a few verses we're going to look at from Psalm 119. The first two were about hope. I felt like all of us probably needed to hear something about hope. So I've got double the I've got two verses on hope relating to God's word. God's word matters for two reasons. The first one of those reasons is it brings hope. Psalm 119 verse 14 says, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. What an amazing thing to put hope in God's word. I think uh, when we think about having a refuge and a shield, I think if you were a uh, if you were a soldier and you had a shield, it would be the place you could hide. It, it would be the place you could go to and hide behind your shield and be confident that you would be safe from whatever the enemy threw at you. And in the same way, God's word can be that for us. God's word being a shield allows us to put hope. It's a place we, are, we can put our hope. When we think about the promises that are in the Bible and we think about the, the arrows that are thrown our way by, by life, by Satan, by uh, evil, evil, um, evil behavior of, of other, other people, maybe uh, tragedies that we face in our lives, we know that we can hide behind the truth of God's promises. And I think this is a real, I think an obvious practical principle to take away here is, is do you have some great uh, scriptures that you can go back to, some great principles in God's word, some great promises in God's word that you know, or you can find in the Bible that you can go back to and can help you find hope when you need it most. I think for me, some of my favorite scriptures, I think of a couple in the Psalms, I think of Psalm 34, verse 4, which talks about God delivering us from all our fears. And Psalm 121, verse 7, which says, he kept me, uh, he will keep you from all harm. Those are two verses which I go back to 
on a on a on an almost daily basis to remind myself that that there's hope and uh, when i when i'm when i'm afraid when there's challenge that there is a way forward that there is hope that i don't have to despair do you have those verses that provide hope in your life because as the psalmist says here we can put our hope in god's word god's word is dependable and it's something that we can rely on and hide behind when we most need it psalm 119 verse 47 i rise before dawn and cry for help i have put my hope in your word again we see this principle of we can put our hope in god's word and it's interesting here because us crying out to god is connected to having hope in god's word if we have hope in god's word and if we have hope in god's promises those promises which we've just discussed those having those memorable bible uh, bible verses that we remember or we we constantly go to if we're confident in those bible verses and if we're confident in those promises it means we can be confident when we cry out to god for help i had a situation recently where um a friend of mine i, I have a good a good friend of mine uh he ended up uh one day finding out that he couldn't see out of his right eye and uh I chatted to him a couple of days later and he'd gone to hospital in uh, and uh, he'd been told that he could be, he'd gone to Moorfields Eye Hospital in London and he'd been told that his retina had detached at the back of his eye. And um, he'd been told by the doctor that it was too late and that it was too late to, to save his eye. And um, I remember speaking to him and I remember thinking, I remember, I remember him telling me that he, he didn't think he'd be able to get his sight back in his right eye. And I remember feeling so, um, so affected by, by this. You know, we, we, we rely so much as people on our sight and the idea that he wouldn't be able to see out of his right eye anymore. It really, um, it really struck me and it really made me think, you know what? Um, I want to pray for my friend to get his sight back. And I didn't really think he could get his sight back because it seemed to me like the doctors had said we didn't <laughs> it wasn't possible but because of god's promises and the fact that the bible says i can do all things through him who gives me strength and the fact jesus says with god nothing is impossible and if you if you if you have faith you can move you can move mountains i felt like i want to spend an extra extra effort praying for my friend and i i you know me i i, I spoke about it with my with my friend who'd lost his eye, his eyesight and we prayed and we, you know, we kept praying throughout the coming weeks. And I spoke to him this week and he said the sight is coming back in his eye. We, you know, we had cried out for help and he'd been, been back to the doctors at Moorfields Eye Hospital. And the doctors had said his eyesight is coming back. A true miracle. I didn't think it was possible when I, when I initially decided to pray. But, but because of the hope that the, 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 the word of God brings us, the, 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 the hope that Jesus brings meant that we could, me and my friend could cry out to God. Um, amazing how God, how God, how God's word gives us hope to cry out to God in prayer or in petition or in fasting or whatever it might be. And it's amazing that, uh, you know, even when it seems hopeless and, you know, in this situation, it seemed like the doctors had said it's too late. There was still hope, not because of any sort of humanistic reason, but because of because of God and because of the fact that God listens to our cries. And as it says here in Psalm 119, verse 147, 
I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I pray I have put you. I have put my hope in your word. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life at the moment? Is your prayer life in a better place than it was at the start before coronavirus? Or has the coronavirus and all the lockdown affected your your prayer life? Has your prayer life been affected by the the shots we've all been taking, the um the the difficult the difficult period all of us are in, the one difficult piece of news after after another? How is your prayer life? You know, I encourage you Go back to those scriptures that we were talking about just before when we looked at the previous verse and may those scriptures look at them and may those scriptures fill you with belief and faith and a desire to pray to God in confidence and in hope that something that God can come into your life and can do the impossible. Do you still believe God can do the impossible? Sometimes when we're faced with challenges, we can be tempted to stop praying. I was tempted with my friend uh, to think, is it really any any point even praying for my friend's eye? It's impossible. Uh, surely, I, I, you, know, I, you know, these things don't just heal on their own. But with God and the scriptures, it is always worth praying. God's word gives us hope and it gives us hope and that hope drives us to pray and it drives us to to beg God and to believe the impossible can happen and the impossible did happen for me and specifically for my friend his eye is on the mend another verse <clears throat> second reason why I believe that God's word matters today it is true God's word is true Psalm 119 verse 151 Yet you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. Now, fake news, I don't know how, how much of a thing fake news was 100 years ago. I'm sure it still existed, but it's not maybe quite as much. I, I doubt it was quite as uh, front page, um, front page news, maybe uh, on everybody's minds as it is today. One of our, one of the, 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 I was about to say one of the epidemics of our, of our society. It's not quite the right term to use at the moment. One of the major problems in our society is fake news. We don't know anymore what to believe and what not to believe, and it's a real issue because the government might say something and we all feel like, is it really true? We might hear someone else say something, religious leaders say something, and we think, is this really true? We feel doubt when we hear people say say anything because we think we've had our hopes dashed so many so many times. We've put our faith in what someone said as being true and we've only heard afterwards it's not true. But with God and with his word, again, with his Bible, we get this promise. All your commands are true. Just let that settle. All your commands are true. One of, uh, as many of you know, I work as a dentist. And one of the challenges that I face as a dentist is sometimes my patients come in with an idea of, uh, <laughs> they have an idea of what's true dentally, and it doesn't always line up with what I know is actually true uh, dentally. Uh, it's quite a, quite a, quite a funny, quite, quite strange, quite, quite a funny thing happened about a couple of years ago. Well, it's not funny if you're a dentist. It's actually very frustrating. But um, somehow it got into it got into a, a big journal or something that flossing 
and obviously we should all floss our teeth. We should all floss every day. It just make make that very clear. I'm a dentist. You should be, if you floss your teeth every day, it will stop your teeth falling out because of because of gum disease. But it got into a journal that flossing was useless, and it got somehow got into a famous, you know, it got into the the mainstream of the dental world that flossing was useless. And I had a patient come in this week and this happens once every, you know, this happens. This isn't the, I don't think this is the first time, but this happens for a number of dentists in, 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 in general. We have people come in and they say, I've heard it was published that flossing is useless. So I don't need to floss. And obviously that's a, you know, if, if you are, a, you know, for most of us, we feel like, oh, great. Flossing's a, a faff anyway. It's difficult to floss. I don't want to floss. Oh, and I've just heard from this new, uh, this new piece of, dental uh this this new dental journal that i don't need to floss that's great news but if you're a dentist like me that's very bad news because in reality you do need to floss that's a fake piece of news flossing is important i tell you it is important and it makes a big difference uh, but when you hear fake pieces of news it's difficult because it means you don't get the help in your life that you really could get because you're looking to get help from the wrong place and fake news is a real challenge at the moment, I think, in society and in other ways as well. You know, all of us are looking for ways to live our lives in the best way possible. Even on the BBC News recently, I've seen some rather odd articles. Articles, I think the one that stuck out to me most was 10 tips how to avoid a messy breakup. What in the world is that? That's sort of advice on how to sort of, I don't know, bring things into landing without crashing in a relationship. I don't, I'm not really sure. I, I didn't actually read the article, but I thought it was it was kind of a, a microcosm of how we're desperately looking for life advice. For us as people, we're looking for life advice of how to live in a good way. And everybody has opinions about how to live in the best way possible. And you have one person who will say that... Um, you know, it's all about being insular and being, uh, you know, knowing, knowing yourself and being, you know, being at one, maybe being at one with nature or whatever. Someone else will say it's all about having as many friends as possible and as having as many interactions as possible. Another person will say it's about doing as much study as possible, how to get the most out of out of life and getting the best job you can possibly get. And that's the way to get the best life. Another person will say you need to study all the great minds from the from the past to get their ideas on what was meaningful in life. And the problem with all these opinions are, is they're not all complete. No person gives any piece of advice that is 100% true in every situation. And that's why I love this verse. Yet you are near Lord and all, all your commands are true. There's no fake news in the Bible. There's no fake news in the Bible. All of God's commands, all of his wisdom about how to live a good life is true. It's all reliable. It's all something that all of us as people can. And really, because we can, we'd be silly not to take advantage of God trying to show us the best way to live by giving us the scriptures. God gives us lots of commands in, 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 in the Bible. And in reality, he gives us his commands because he loves us and he cares about us. First John 5 verse 3 talks about how God, uh, God gives us his commands and his commands are not burdensome. When God's commands are given for our good, we lose the burden of, oh, I have to go to church online every Sunday. 
Oh, I have to read my Bible every day. Oh, I have to confess my sins. It's no longer about those things. It's no longer, oh, I have to tell the truth. It's no longer about, I have to be kind to my spouse or I have to be kind to my mum or my, my dad. It's, I get to be kind. I get to read my Bible. I get to have fellowship on a Sunday. God's commands are truly, um, they're an opportunity for us to get the most out of life. And that's because his commands are true. His promises that in all things he works for the good of those who love him. That promise is true. His commands of how to live a good life. His commands are all true. And there's something that me and you, all of us can put our feet on and we can rely on. It's a firm ground that we can rely on and build our lives upward from there. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus here talks about God's word as a rock, something you can rely on to build your life off. It just echoes all those all those um, words which were written in Psalm 119 and, you know, a thousand years before Jesus, a thousand years before Jesus. The psalmist would have said, you know, uh, God's commands are true. And a thousand years later, Jesus said God's commands are true true there's something you can live your life on and you can build your life on they're a solid foundation for your life to the to, to the degree that if you if you uh um have some challenges that you face in your in your life and life throws you a curveball you lose your job you have you, you get suddenly you get you get ill or a family member dies or the coronavirus comes it god's word is something that lasts in the psalmist's day in jesus's day in the First World War, in the Second World War, and in 2020. Jesus' words and God's words in the, in the Bible are valuable and they're true every day. That's what Jesus is saying here. And it's amazing. We look at the end. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most, most famous sermon. And it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Were they amazed because he had lots of opinions? No. They were, they were amazed because he had authority. The rest of the rabbis, the rest of the teachers of the law, they all taught opinions. They all taught that rabbi, I don't know any Jewish names, rabbi, I don't know, I'm not even going to embarrass myself like that, rabbi, rabbi from you know, Nazareth or rabbi from um, Jerusalem. They all had their opinions, but Jesus was different. He spoke with authority. And that's the same authority that the word of God has. It's an authority we can build our lives on. And it's an authority that we can be confident that when we listen to the Bible and put it into practice, that's what this scripture says. Jesus says, 
everyone who hears these words of mine. So when we read the Bible and puts them into practice, so it shows that it's not enough just to read the Bible, but you've got to actually do what it do, what it says and apply it to your life. If you do that, the word works. The word works in your life and it gives you a strong foundation to live on. And it gives you it gives you it gives you something to live by that doesn't change. That doesn't change when a different president comes into into into, into office. Doesn't change when a different um, a different a new medical advancement comes. These are these are these are promises that last for forever. And these are commands which always work regardless of whatever time you live in. Um, a question I think this week, which I'd like to leave you with. What could you do this week to make the most of God's word? That's a practical. What could you do this week to make the most of God's word? You know, the obvious thing, the obvious practical would be, and you know, you're going to probably come up with your own practical, but here are some ideas if you're stuck. An obvious practical is read God's word. How are you doing with investing your time in reading God's word? When times are hard, we can find excuses to not read God's word, because there's so much that needs to be done, so much needs to be done at work, so much needs to be done with our family, so much that needs to be taken care of. And God's word so often gets pushed out of our lives. What else could it be? Live it out. Sometimes we can be we can feel spiritual because we've read God's word and uh, but we don't actually live it out. James 1 verse 22 says, uh, don't deceive yourselves if you are. Uh, it's no good to just read the word. You've got to actually put it in to practice. Uh, and number three, another thing, another, another potential, another potential um, practical is thinking back to prayer. Do you when you pray, do you pray according to God's promises or, you, or are your prayers overcome by the worries of your day? Let God's word fill you when you're praying. May your prayers be dependent on God's promises that he gives. And maybe if you're new to the Bible, maybe you haven't read a lot of the Bible before. Maybe uh, you had a family member who, who, who used to read the Bible or used to be more spiritual than you or whatever. I don't know. But maybe you haven't read the Bible. I don't know. But if you haven't, let me encourage you. Don't finish this service. Don't leave this service today without asking someone to explain the Bible to you. Whoever invited you along today, ask them to explain the Bible to you. Ask them to study the Bible with you if you haven't studied it in depth before if the bible's new to you maybe you maybe you don't even feel like you are a christian i don't know but don't leave today without without asking someone to study the bible with you communion we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna remember jesus now and i think this is a lovely verse that connects jesus and his and his death with uh, the word of god the sun is the radiance of god's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's Jesus's word, God's word in the Bible. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You know, Jesus came 2000 years ago. He came to show us how to live. He gave us he, he, he gave us advice. He came to give us advice about how to live the best life we possibly could. He came to give us those true commands that Psalm 119 verse 151 talked about. He gave it, he came to give us hope of a better future than we than we than we than we had before we heard his word. But he didn't just come to give us some advice. He came 
to save us. He came to take all the sins that we've committed in our lives, all the times we've lied, all the times we've uh, said something we shouldn't have said, those times we've been mean to our uh, people who, who, who normally mean a lot to us, times we've been, un, been unkind, times we've, um, we've stolen what we shouldn't have stolen, times we've been unfaithful in, in ways we shouldn't have. Jesus came and died on a cross. He came and he, he took all those sins, all the things we've done, and, he, he, and in his body, all those things were nailed to the cross. He bled, he died, his skin was torn, all for us. And it says, as it says here in Hebrews 1 verse 3, he provided purification for sins. That's what the cross is about. And after that, it didn't even end, it, it didn't even end just with the cross. It ended with him sitting down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead, showing a symbol that for us, none of us need to be afraid of the grave. None of us need to be afraid of death because there is hope of a life beyond the grave. And God's word gives us hope in that. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for uh, opportunity to, to, to look at look at your look at your look at you, God, an opportunity to look at your word. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you that it gives us so much uh, so much hope. Thank you that it's something we can we can rely on, Father. Thank you for Jesus, God, being someone who is and is and 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 was someone who provided purification for all the things that we've done wrong, Father. Thank you that He's someone who gives us hope of life beyond the grave. Thank you for that, Father. Uh, I just really pray now that as we take the bread and the wine, that it uh, it brings us closer to remembering Jesus and it brings us closer in our relationship to you. We love you in Jesus name. Amen.